0: It
1: doesn't matter what you
0: did. And I am the voice of the voiceless. here we are once again for a special preview for all elite wrestling pay-per-views this time is all out perhaps their biggest pay-per-view to date if tony khan is one to be believed and with me as always and i say always very funny because we've only done this once before but as always robbie sutter robbie thank you for joining me today
1: scotty thank you once again for having me the last time we did this was double or nothing back in may so it's it's been a minute since i've been on wrestling with edwards and you know me i'm always down to talk wrestling with you
0: and wrestling can be the best and unfortunately when it comes to being the best it also gets us so invested and love so many people in the business that you know i think it's only right that i give you the opportunity to talk about the late daphne who passed away unfortunately on thursday
1: yes and i, I spoke to you about this uh, the other day and you were very gracious in letting me have the floor for this and for that i thank you immensely um like scotty said um for those that have been following the professional wrestling news the past few days you will know that this past Thursday it was announced that Shannon Spruill also known to wrestling fans as Daphne Unger had passed away Um, the day before that she was streaming live on Instagram Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the, the contents of that live stream I think it's been repeated by enough people, enough outlets by this point um, t- it was it was a cause for concern. It had many people in the wrestling business, including many of her friends, reaching out trying to get help. And it's for for me, this is one of the tougher wrestling deaths to wrap my mind around. Any wrestling death is unfortunate, obviously, but to give some sort of context, um, when I started watching wrestling back in 1999. Um, she was one of those characters that first hooked me, and I think anyone who's um, who, who's watched her throughout her career will tell you that she was very much ahead of her time and was somebody that um, helped inspire many different wrestlers since then. You know, you can see it in certain wrestlers, uh, certain personalities as well today, from Paige to Rosemary to. Su so Young, like all of these different personalities in wrestling, owe something to to Daphne, and I think that that's one of the reasons why her legacy will um, will will live on. Um, to to give you guys a little bit of a background on a Daphne, and I have some notes here, but I don't know how how organized this is going to be. Um, I'm going to try to keep my thoughts as uh, concise as possible but
0: hey don't worry about being organized this is my show we've never been organized in our lives.
1: <laughs> Fair enough, Scotty, thank you. Um to give you guys a little bit of history on Daphne, um she was born in nineteen seventy five in a United States Air Force base in West Germany, where her father was stationed. Um she was an army brat, moved around the country when she was younger, eventually got into acting, which is when she was and made aware of a contest that World Championship Wrestling was holding in '99. Now, this contest was meant to bring a new talent, or uh, rather, somebody to play a role. The role being the crazy stalker that was intimately involved with David Flair, the son of uh, Ric Flair. Now, keep in mind that this this acting gig was only supposed to last anywhere from four to six weeks. It wasn't really supposed to be a a long term role, but you know, she managed to make this into a, a long-term wrestling career, not just in WCW, but TNA Impact, Shimmer, various indies. And to think that she was originally supposed to attend grad school and yet went into wrestling. And I, I, I've i actually watched a lot of the clips back that I watched during my uh, my younger years in wrestling, and I remember just, like, all these different memories came back into my mind, just the major angles she had with not just David Flair, but with Crowbar as well. Those three became a trio during what I considered one of the, and I guess what many fans would consider one of the toughest periods in WCW history. And Scotty, I know you're a bit you're a bit younger than I am. Have you ever watched much of anything in terms of 1999, 2000 WCW?
0: Um, the Goldberg count
1: i'm gonna take that as a no (laughs) Um, no
0: i wcw (laughs) is like my project some (laughs) time in like the next like five years of just going back and learning about them more because it's the funny thing about wcw is all the uh knowledge that i have it is wwe based knowledge which is like you, you know how that goes it's like they lost um like yeah. there was a time there where it wasn't just about the NWO, believe it or not. So I personally have to go back.
1: No, well, needless to say, it was a rough time in in that company's history. Just bad TV. Even as a young fan who didn't really know a whole lot, I knew what I was watching what I was watching was complete trash. But there were highlights during Wait, that period. What's
0: up? Was it better than Raw?
1: Oh my god, you put me in a corner here. Um <laughs> You know, I, I I feel like more stuff happened in WCW during that time, but it wasn't necessarily good. WCW, put it, the same, Raw nowadays is very sterile, but it's it's safe. It's kind of like a McDonald's cheeseburger. It's not the best, but it's consistent. You know what you're going to get for better or for worse. WCW at this point was kind of like a dive on the street corner that no one's really brave enough to try but you you give it a go you know you have that burger like five hours later you're sitting on the toilet having the runs it's 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 a bad time man
0: (laughs) we have went off the rails here at least yeah (laughs) yeah
1: but 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 but, um but getting back on topic with um with, with daphne um a lot of the other highlights that i remember were ones that weren't necessarily good but rather good because she gave them her all. Um, she became only the second woman to win the WCW World Cruiserweight Champion. The first one was Medusa. And she also competed in WCW's first ever wedding gown match against Miss Hancock, who wrestling fans may know better as Stacey Keebler today. And it's it's funny because I'm looking just looking back at interviews and social media and whatnot, and looking at some of the real life stories that were coming out or that had come out after WCW closed, Daphne did a podcast and I don't know if it was Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling. I, I, I don't, I can't say for sure, but she she told a story about how she was getting started in WCW and she did an in-ring segment, which was apparently received well by the fans in attendance Lex Luger, who was backstage, approached her and was like, hey, you're you're over. And this one comment <laughs> made Daphne so distraught that she confided to Miss Elizabeth, who she, she, she'd become very close with and kind of treated as a mentor figure. And she told, and she was so upset. She was like, Elizabeth, my, my career is over. And I said, Eliz- Elizabeth's like, what are you talking about? And Daphne goes, I was talking to Rex, and he said I was over, and Elizabeth had to correct her, be like, no, 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 in wrestling, being over means that the fans like you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's very much a, a situation where you look back, and there was just that level of inexperience, but a lot of heart, too. And another story, and I don't know if you've seen the um, the video that was passed around Wrestling Twitter this past summer. But it was one of Crowbar doing a promo talking about how he was going to be the new face or the new leader of the WCW hardcore wrestling evolution. And here's Daphne behind him doing these goofy faces, waving around a sparkler in each hand, just completely <laughs> uh, you know, upstaging Crowbar, whether she intended to or not. Um, I don't know. Did, just, have you seen that video passed around? During the summer,
0: I, I think I've yes, I think I have yes.
1: Okay, so Daphne uh, retweeted it and she added some context to it. So according to her, before that show, she had purchased ten boxes of sparklers, had them brought to the venue, cleared it with the Pyro department to ensure that it was safe, and then went on to do that that segment. And what's funny and what's very <laughs> on brand for those that have kept in the loop as far as WCW backstage news is concerned. The office didn't know that she was doing it until it was actually happening. <laughs> so, so this is so this is going on without anybody say so, which is very much on brand. Like I said, um, Chris Jericho talked a lot about this in his books and his DVDs, where he would just do just the random things that fans kind of remember today. Whether it was, you know, coming down to the ring with this weird. Peacock-looking hairstyle, just completely disheveled, or bringing Ralphus to the ring and having him wear that that um, that crop top, (laughs) Um, just just little things like that. That it's it it makes you appreciate what you see on TV that much more. Now, after WCW had closed its doors, I believe Daphne had been released a few weeks prior because they were in cost-cutting mode during that point. So she had been released with a number of other. Uh, wrestlers and talent at the time, um, Daphne started learning how to be, become more of a wrestler because even though she had um, wrestled some matches in WCW, there were less uh, MAC classics and more of just like segments, like a means to an end. If sounds you will,
0: sounds like the Attitude Era.
1: It, it it was, but I think that the difference is is that Daphne actually became a very solid wear, like very good, like she would. She trained for WWE for a, for a spell, um, went and wrestled a few indies before she was swooped up by Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. Now this is where not only did her wrestling skill become even greater, probably the best that it was ever that it would ever be, but her character work was as strong as ever. So she debuted in that company in 2008 as a plant in the audience because by that time um, the knockouts champion Awesome Kong was doing the $25,000 challenge to anyone who could defeat her. So Daphne did the match, uh, didn't win, but that was her first appearance and then she went on to um, play the role of the governor who was a parody of then governor of Alaska Sarah Palin. So even though it was kind of a goofy character, it was uh, very much in uh, in current events. And it was another character that Daphne was able to play very, very well. Um, 2009, that, that character went came to an end after she got her hair cut by the beautiful people, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love. From that point, became Daphne, the Daphne that we know more commonly. And what I remember about this point in her TNA career were the Dr. Stevie sketches. And I don't know if you've seen very many of those, Scotty, but this was some top-notch stuff because you have Stevie Richards playing this kind of emotionally, mentally manipulative uh, doctor, psychologist character and would recruit someone like Abyss to help fight for him or rather try to mold him in the way that he wanted. And the segments that I've seen with Daphne, Stevie, and Abyss were very good i would see daphne not only have great matches with the women but she took some gnarly ass bumps like she took probably the best black hole slam from the best i've ever seen she got slam from the top of the turn- turnbuckle down below through a barbed wire table
0: i've seen that
1: yeah and you know what it is you know what's wild about this is that one of the camera angles they didn't even get the the impact the, no pun intended they didn't even get the <laughs> shot. They didn't get the shot where she fell through the table. but they had the camera uh, stationed on Abyss during that. I mean, granted they had another angle where it was shown, but it's like, holy crap! Like I don't know, Kevin Dunn worked in the TNA for a spell. This is <laughs> Bush League, man. Bush nice. League. Nice bird. Oh, Jesus. But anyway, as much as I want to dog on TNA for their, you know, production botches, I feel like I have to dog on them because of the way that Daphne entered terms with the company. Because by 2011, she had filed a workers' compensation claim with them, stating that the working environment was unsafe. Um, before then, she had wrestled um, Rosie Lotterlove. I don't know if you remember her from NXT as Sage Beckett. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she wrestled that match with um, with Rosie Lotterlove, and just got wrecked. Like, she got messed up during that match. And she left it suffering um, a stinger, a deeply bruised sternum, and a concussion, which was one of many concussions that Daphne had suffered in wrestling. And what's even wilder is that not only did Daphne return to the ring a month after that match, but when she had left... In um, TNA at the time, they, they they cover the medical bills. Which doesn't that seem really messed up to you? Like you, you hear about wrestlers in WWE and AEW or what have you. If people get hurt in those rings, they're they're pretty much covered. I mean, granted, maybe you know you could argue that she shouldn't have been wrestling a dangerous opponent in the first place, but. You know, you would think that if you are having people wrestle under your banner and you're a relatively well-known company, shouldn't you cover the wrestlers if anything like that happens?
0: It sounds very TNA to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this is not the first time we've heard stories. Um. It's interesting, you bring up the wWE aspect because, like you know CM Punk just came back. If we want to go into medicals, we could go down a deep road there. Uh, yes. But, yes, most of the time, medicals are usually paid for by the company, especially when you're hurt
1: in said yes, absolutely. And, yeah, and I don't want this to turn to, you know, an anti-impact wrestling because it's a much different company now than it was when it was run by Jeff Jarrett and Dixie Carter. But let's put it that way. Just, just a very different company, and from there, um, Daphne would do work for other companies. She was the hostess of Shine Wrestling for a time. She, she did an appearance for Ring of Honor in 2018, when Kelly Klein and Sumi Sakai were um, in that Women of Honor Championship tournament. And Daphne would also make a number of um, convention appearances, and it, it's still something I kick myself over today. But I went to WrestleCon a number of years ago, and she was, and she had her own table set up. And I believe I was online to see Shawn Michaels, and I, and and her table was like right, was like right there where, where I was standing in line. And I was like, ah, oh, can I do it? No, no, I should probably stay in line. So I stayed in line, met Shawn Michaels, and just completely, just completely skipped my mind to, to meet her. And, as I was coming, and I was on the plane home, like, just just looking back at my trip, I was just like, "Oh, my God, you idiot. why Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you go up and meet her? So it, it's, you know, it's it's one of my my regrets as um as a wrestling fan that has gone to different conventions. Um, and for me, it was just hearing the news about her passing was just so. It left me very speechless, and I don't want to compare the two situations because, you know, it's they're, they're yeah they're relative they're relatively different circumstances. But I felt I'm sure I felt the same way that a lot of younger fans felt when Hanakamura passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. being very, just being unable to express yourself, and it's it's very much a difficult situation and I think if if nothing else, I hope that this sheds light on the importance of mental health, not just in wrestling, but in general. And even though I think we as a society have gotten better about, you know, mental health and mental wellness, there is still that stigma attached to it. Almost as if you if you suffer from it, you're conceived as weak or you don't need the help, which is it's a complete ludicrous mindset to have because put it this way, you wouldn't shame someone for catching a cold or stepping off a curb wrong and God forbid breaking their hip, right? Like you wouldn't shame someone for anything like that. So why would you shame someone for dealing with obstacles in their life as far as their mental wellness is concerned? It's it it's still part mental health is still part of one's health. And I think the sooner that everyone else gets on board with that the better off we're all gonna be
0: my man i i could not agree more and i think you perfectly recapped you know daphne's impact what she did in wrestling and if you think about it it's a lot like there was <laughs> a lot to cover there you start in wcw and you get to <laughs> you know 2009 and tna like that's range that's what I like to call range. Yeah. That's what I like to call longevity, and I know you are not the only one that you know was stunned. Um, I think the entire wrestling community was stunned, and it ju- it just sucks because this has happened. This has happened way too much in wrestling, especially, and I know how big of a fan you were of her, um, and. It's i it's hard to compare to anything. Like you don't want to compare it to anything because every situation is its own. But I totally know where you're saying in sense of it's it was just so much to take in at one time. Um but my guy, you i'm I'm impressed that you were able to keep it all together. Very great job,
1: thank you. Thank you, Scotty. and I think it helps just having someone to talk to about this and having somebody to you know, hear what I have to say, interact a little bit. I think that if I just recorded myself talking, it wouldn't be as, as easy. Um, it's, it's good to have people in your life. And I think that if nothing else, it's important to speak up and, you know, for anyone listening to this, if you feel like, you know, you're in a spot in life where nothing seems right and you don't feel like there's a light at the tunnel, talk to somebody, please, please talk to somebody. Even if it doesn't even have to be somebody who specializes in mental health, even if it's just somebody that, you know, is a friend, a family member. Believe me, getting this stuff off your chest makes a big difference. It It truly does. And it's and I also have to appreciate what the wrestling community online has done since Daphne's passing, just compiling information regarding suicide prevention hotlines and the like, and just these different resources that people can use if they need help in that way. So I have to give them credit where it's due. Yeah.
0: I think these are the situations where, you know, wrestling gets the wrestling community gets a bad rap a lot of the time, but it's in these situations that I think you, you and myself, especially realize that we're like one big giant family in a sense, because we all mourn. We all feel the pain of losing someone that, you know, we might not know personally, but watching them on our screens watching them on our devices through the years makes us feel like we know them so that's why i always say wrestling is just such a unique um it's so unique from everything else because you, you feel like you get to know these people and uh you know all i could say is rest in peace daphne and like you said um if you're feeling anything if you need someone to talk to there's always someone to talk to whether it be a friend a parent a therapist a teacher the the list goes on or if you have to call one of those hotlines there's always someone to talk to
1: wonderfully said scotty and thank you again for letting me speak about daphne on your show i know that I kind of sprung this on you at the last minute, (laughs) but I do appreciate you um, allowing me this opportunity to do so.
0: That's why we have this show. It's not all. It's not always about the uh, the wrestling. Sometimes it's it's about the people in wrestling. And I I couldn't appreciate more than you asking me to do this. It was the easiest yes you could have asked for a question you could have asked me. So thank you for being willing to share all of that.
1: Thank you, my man.
0: All right. So after that, you know, tough, but one, I think what Robbie did again was just, you know, so perfect. And I think anyone that's a Daphne fan should listen to that because you recapped her career so perfectly. Um, So thank you for that. Now we will get on to our regularly scheduled, uh, Content, which is the preview for AW All Out, and before we even start breaking down the matches and what's going on, Robbie, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for this show?
1: I would say I'm about as close to a ten out of ten as you could expect for a number of reasons. First off, CM Punk's first match back in well over seven years. That's going to be the big highlight of the show, I think. You also have the rumors and reports going around of Brian Danielson making his debut at this very show. I believe Body Slam was the publication that broke that particular report first. And I think just based on those two items alone, this is going to be a must-see show. Looking up and down the card, however, I see more things on this show that I'm interested in than things that I'm not interested in. So very excited.
0: You know, all things considered with people, I feel like, you know, two, three weeks ago, people were kind of worried about this card and what the show would look like. But when you look at the 10 match card, including the pre-show could be 11, because I know Andrade has uh, teased that he might do like an open challenge type thing. And I know Sammy Guevara has tweeted back at him. So that's a potential match uh, with pack out, which, you know, that alone could just enhance this that much more. Uh, But you look at the card. It's a really good one. I want to get that off. Like, I I don't know if it's the best one they've ever had. I I would have to go back and, you know, look from beginning to end for pay-per-views. But when you look at the top four or five matches, they speak for themselves. So, uh, why don't we uh, jump into this? And by the way, on a scale of one to ten, with you, I am as close to a ten as well. It's uh, a very exciting time in wrestling, and if uh, Brian Danielson shows up, ooh, 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 I don't. Uh, the the opportunities are endless. you.
1: Yeah, hold on to your ass, Scotty. It's going to be a wild one.
0: Yes, yes, it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so we will kick off with the buy-in match, which was kind of just put together. Uh, But there's some solid talent in here that I think should get a good look. Uh, So it will be a 10-man tag team match as the best friends Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Utah team up with Jurassic Express's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to face off with the Hardy Family Office, which consists of Matt Hardy, Private Party, and The Hybrid 2 um very interesting match you know to put together because when you look at it from the the, there's a man in this match that was at the last pay-per-view he fought for the AEW world championship then there's also you know the fact that you have matt hardy who is a world champion in the past Um, i'd even say he's a legend in the business and you have a lot of young talent so I know people don't love 10-man tags, what's so much, but I think this could be pretty fun. What about you, Robbie?
1: Yeah, I think so. For a match that was put together pretty much at the last minute, this was very much a kind of a 10th or 11th hour decision just based on everything regarding PAX travel, which you mentioned before, and the Casino Battle Royale being moved to the main show. This is our pre-show attraction, and I like most of the competitors involved. I love me some best friends. I think Jurassic Express is a great tag team as well. Um, as much as I don't need to see Matt Hardy in a ring at this stage in his career in his life, I do like what he's been doing as far as building a stable that features, you know, the pre- Private Party, Butcher, The Blade, The Bunny, um, the Hybrid Two. I think very underrated as far as tag team wrestling is concerned. I like them both. So. Even though I don't see this match having very many long term storyline implications, it could be a fun attraction nonetheless.
0: Man, you're so generous to the Hardy. <laughs> the Hardy family office, which I just like despise because, uh, well, first of all, I hate Matt Hardy's theme song, and that's the only song they ever come out to because it's yeah. like a screech, and I, I don't, I just don't like it. It just bothers me. It's on uh, Spotify, homie.
1: Oh, on spotify. That's, that's wonderful yeah, yeah mike, mike mikey ruckus i believe his name is the guy who composes most of the aws uh, well, you know it's
0: you want to know it's also on you uh spotify now uh jeff hardy's uh re new theme song of no more words so listen to that listen to the better hardy theme song
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just—it's just the old—it's just the old theme song with just like a new sound effect. It's still yeah, good, exactly. but
0: exactly, yeah, it's still—it's still great.
1: It's still, yeah,
0: it's a lot better than the Hardy one. I miss uh, Matt Hardy's old theme song, the—the um, the one in WWE that I
1: can't oh, oh, Live for the moment. Yes, that was yeah, that one was great. That, that's, that's a, yeah, Matt facts and whatnot. Yes, Matt facts were legendary. <laughs> Matt Hardy doesn't like mustard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Matt, favorite one. Matt Hardy always used to get more Halloween candy than Jeff. <laughs> 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 Things like that. Yeah, and it was, and
0: it, amazing.
1: And it was, yeah, I remember that vividly. Just just these Matt facts coming on this format that looked like the old Windows Media Player back in the early yeah. 2000s.
0: <laughs> oh, boy, it's been a long time. I wish that's what character he went with when he came to when he got rid of the broken stuff now i i don't even know what
1: he is the, now. The, the, they still have the lake of reincarnation in his backyard right just just dump his ass back in there maybe he'll come back with the with the the wrist tape and you know throwing up the uh, the 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 hand signs just, just a thought
0: if mr wyatt comes back i could see the lake of reincarnation coming back into play um uh, but that being <laughs> said um when it comes down to this match, there's a lot of exciting talent, like you said. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy to start off. Debatably, you know, they're up there with the likes of a hangman page and Darby Allen in terms of you know newer talent who are getting cheered so loudly every single night they show up. And I think that's a credit to them. That's that's a big sign, I think, for Jungle Boy, especially because he's so young but people already love him. And I don't know if it all, I don't think it all has to do with the song either. I know the song is a jam, but (laughs) he is very talented and he's very likable. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And I don't want to give any disrespect to the Hardy family office because they do have talent. Uh, I love private party. I think when they actually get to go, they're very good. I was there uh, on the second dynamite when they upset the young bucks in that uh, tag team title tournament. That's one of my, you know, coo- one of the cooler moments I've been for live because it ju- the place just erupted. Um, and then in Helico and Jack Evans, you made a great point. They're a very underrated tag team. I feel like a lot of people forgot about them because AEW has brought in so many tag teams since. And no offense to them, they just kind of fallen back in the shuffle. So this should be a fun match. Uh, let me ask you, who do you think wins it?
1: Our best friends in Jurassic Express.
0: Ah, okay. Did you already say that and I just wasn't paying attention?
1: Oh, no. I think this is the first time I said it.
0: Oh, cool. So I am not a bad host yet. Perfect. Um, I am in agreement. Best friends in Jurassic Express. Also, you could have just, you know, did the denial that I wasn't a bad host, but instead you just stay quiet. I appreciate that,
1: Robbie. Yeah, I I love you too, Scotty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: He still didn't deny it. All right. We're going to go... So I have changed. So I'm looking at like the match card of some, the way someone did it. But I'm going to go in the order of uh, most boring to most interesting because I feel the most interesting will bring far more conversation between you and me. So let's let's just get it out of the way now because I think mm-hmm. we're both on the same page here of what we don't want to see. Uh, Paul White, a.k.a. the big show. Uh, faces off with QT Marshall in a singles match. Mm-hmm. Robbie, have at it,
1: <laughs> Scotty. Um, y- you know, I think very highly of you. Not just as a writer, not just as a podcaster or a content creator, but also uh, as a friend. I like to think of you and I as as good friends. And agreed. You know, yeah, and yeah, and you know, I'm very proud of everything that you've done in terms of the podcast and your writing and everything else that you have going on in your busy life.
0: I am so worried where this is going.
1: <laughs> so I do hope that you know that I do th- very highly of you. Uh, that being said, and I guess this is where the expletives start to drop. Uh, fuck this match. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is definitely the match I'm the least interested in. Even like I guess even with the pre-show match, there's, there's a there's the allure of good wrestling that we can see just based on the competitors involved. Mm-hmm, yeah, I, I don't see that happening with Paul White and QT Marshall. And I don't look, I don't dislike Paul White. I think that he's a very good personality on commentary. He seems very likable and he seems into the action. He did get better at the desk, which I commend him for. And I do understand this is his in-ring debut for AEW. Really, the only reason this match is on the main show, because why the fuck would you put QT Marshall on a pay-per-view? <laughs> um, and I get that this is his first official match since July of 2020, because he did have that match with Orton on Raw, where he got taken out. So Not
0: taken out long enough, clearly, because we yeah. got a QT Marshall match
1: on a pay-per-view. Yeah, this this is this is bad, and I guess my big thing heading into it is like, what kind of in ring shape is Paul Light going to be in? I know that he's kept in, you know, like physical shape. I know that he's lost a, a a bunch of weight, which is great for him. But there's a difference between being in shape and being in ring shape. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I see. Personally, I just need it to be like. Choke slam punch whatever he prefers. End it like this match does not need more than five minutes, and I can't harp on that enough because these AEW shows they tend to go pretty long. Uh, midnight's usually the capper, um, but sometimes they go over. And this match needs to be one of those where the bell rings. You know, you have Big Show in an AEW ring, but let's just get it on. Get on with it. Like just finish it up. Uh, the factory really brings the most out of you, huh? And it's not even like <laughs> it wasn't a GoGo's fault last time, but it, like, <laughs> it just seems to be their matches that really get Robbie blood boiling.
1: I don't even want this to be like th- this to come across as though I hate QT Marshall. I really don't. I think that he's sort of I think he's a fine low level heel that can take the falls for these up and coming babyface wrestlers. I understand that he's been very instrumental in. Sort of building these stars of the future he's just not somebody i need to see in these long-term stories and angles i, I would just mother i'd rather see him just 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 help enhance these future babyface stars just keep doing his thing i don't need to see him in the ring with a microphone bullying tony shivani or doing any of this stuff okay i don't need to see that just this particular match, if it goes over three minutes, I think it's a crime. T- to be honest, I just, <laughs> I, I just, 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 just have Paul White chokeslam Q T Marshall's ass, cover him. We can just move on from there.
0: I think we are both in agreement. That being said, Paul White's winning this. I, uh, I'm assuming you're not rolling with Q T Marshall based off your uh, words of wisdom. Oh no, I love him. Yeah okay <laughs> uh, so yeah paul White's paul white's walking out with that one that's probably the mm-hmm. easiest match to predict on this entire show uh that being said let's get to a match that i think people find difficult to predict which i like that way despite it being the seventh time these guys are fighting not seventh it's the fourth uh but chris jericho versus mjf in what is called the final match i believe off the top of my head yeah it's it's like they're they're acting like it's a big deal despite me having to see it two weeks ago and it's different from christian versus kenny in my eyes because you know, the there's, there's title on the line there, I think they gave us a lot in that match, but saved enough. I don't I don't know what Chris Jericho and MJF can give me in this match to entice me to want to watch it more than I already don't, if that makes yeah.
1: sense. Yeah, and... no, I, 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 I get what you're saying, and I think that it's a little more puzzling just because of how the matches they've been involved in have kind of decreased in terms of the importance, because. They did the Blood and Guts match, Stadium Stampede, that Labors of Jericho match, and now this. It almost feels like the the process should have been in reverse with the stipulations being intact. You know what I
0: mean? You, uh, yes, I totally agree. And, like, I, I don't remember the first singles match they have. I remember the last two. And I believe... MJF's literally selling a shirt that says MJF 3 Jarrah Blow Zero, um, which is, you know, it's funny. Ha ha ha.
1: Yeah, um, it's 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 very puzzling. It's sort of like playing Super Mario World, and the, first, <laughs> and the first... I'm sorry, I'm getting really nerdy, but bear with me here. It's like playing Super Mario World, and the first castle you encounter, you face Bowser, and the seventh or eighth castle is Ludwig von Koopa, his little bratty <laughs> child. I'm like, what? shouldn't this have Okay. Okay, I guess we're going to go this route. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: such a good point though. And like the the thing with this match is that what these two are best at is talking. So yeah. they've tried to talk me into wanting to see this match again. And I know a lot of people have loved the promos that they did especially this past week. I just have a tough time caring because it feels so predictable. Like I almost feel that MJF needs to win for this not to feel like a waste of my time.
1: Yeah, I would agree, and it's one of the reasons why I'm predicting MJF comes out of this match winning, even though he's beaten Jericho in every other encounter that they've had, really. Um, the, the truth of the matter is as much as I like Chris Jericho as a wrestler, he's probably going to go down in history as one of my top ten favorites of all time. The the reality of the situation is that he's much older now. He's slowed down.
0: Wait he, a minute. He, what is, is Q T Marshall at the top of that list?
1: Oh my God! You know, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna forget you even said that because <laughs> because I, I don't need to I don't need to be I don't need to be bouncing off this call because you're making me tilted.
0: Oh, um, we got a tilted reference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only you and, like, three other people are going to know what that is.
0: <laughs> That's all that matters.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, the truth is that Jericho's older. He's not in the same ring shape that he was in years past. And he's been doing more consistent work at commentary for Rampage. I would assume he'd focus more on that. And I don't believe for a second that is going to be done with in-ring competition in at E I don't believe it for a second. I just think it's the time for him to... Dial back a little bit, heal up. Meanwhile, MJF moves on to a different angle, a different rivalry. Who that's with, I'm not entirely sure. If it were me, I would say put him in there with CM Punk. CM Punk has been very vocal about working with a lot of the younger guys. Darby Allin's the start of that. I could see MJF being part of that uh, picture as well. Just, just, the, just for nothing else, just the promos they can cover. The pros they can do on one another and just the contrast in their characters. You know, put it this way. I could see MJF bullying someone like CM Punk in high school.
0: That's fair, but I could also see someone like CM Punk beating up MJF.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right? Like there's <laughs> there's like this sort of like class division between the two characters, which I think makes it that much more interesting as a feud.
0: Yeah, I mean that's Hmm, That's interesting, because for me, it's always been, where does MJF go from here? Mm -hmm. And CM Punk's a good show. Um, Mm -hmm. I think MJF should win. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think they're going to go the classic. Uh, No, you know what? I'm going with my gut. MJF wins. Um, Mm -hmm. We're in agreement. Chris Jericho's not going to be retiring. I think, if anything, he's going to take some time away for uh, Fozzie, because I believe they're back. Uh, on some sort of tour type thing, um, if I read correctly. So it, it, it makes all the sense in the world. No one loses sleep about it. You know, it is what it is. Um, that being said, let's move on, because I feel like the remainder of the card is really where we get into it. So let's hit the Casino Battle Royale for a shot. At the AEW Women's World Championship I will read off the competitors for you now As we have 20 of 21 announced With that 21, of course, being the Joker uh, So we got former AEW Women's World Champion Nia Rose, Thunder Rosa The Bunny Big Swole Julia Hart Ty Conchi Diamante Penelope Ford Red Velvet Hikaru Shida Emi Sakura Jade Cargill, Kiara Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Kylan King, Rebel, Jamie Hader, Anna J, and as announced on Tony Khan's media call and will officially be said tonight on Rampage, Reho That's a hell of a lineup.
1: Oh yes. I am like I'm looking at the landscape of this casino battle royale. There's not one person in this match that I look at and I think, eh, she shouldn't be in this. Like Amazon. Much, I, I was trying to be nice to the zombie, but but okay, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy with the lineup for the most part. I'm I'm glad that Emmy got to be part of this match. Um, how far she lasts in this, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm glad that she's in it. Um, Final may, four. Yeah, maybe maybe she'll bring in uh, Lulu Pencil because she also made her a e w debut rather recently, as uh, Emmy Sakura's butler character. Like she comes out wearing the the suit, you know takes um, Emmy's uh, cloak, or rather Emmy throws it on her. But regardless, she's been on the show. so I'm very excited to see what uh, what she does in this.
0: I am too. Uh, for me, I think the most intriguing aspect will be how they handle the likes of Jade Cargill
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Jamie Hader, because uh, the latter, I feel like, you know, she's so freshly back and she feels like she's going to be someone that's protected as Britt Baker's bodyguard. So I feel that's going to be very interesting. And then of course the former is Jade Cargill who has been, Maybe one of the most protected in a sense That she doesn't get long matches uh, She has yet to Be put out there to be uh, She hasn't Shown that she how raw she Is and we know she's raw we know she's green Whatever you want to call mm-hmm. her it, it, It's evident um, I'm Guessing they have Jay get eliminated by someone like Nyla Rose maybe they eliminate each Other uh, I don't I don't see her winning that's my whole thing
1: here. Yeah, same. I think with someone like Jade, you'd either have her be eliminated while she's trying to eliminate someone else, like a Nyla Rose, like you said, or you'd have the rest of the competitors sort of gang up on her and dump her out of the ring. You know, being like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, th- this is probably one of the more physically imposing opponents here. Let's get her out. We'll deal with each other later. I could see that happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, So let me ask you, who do you think is going to win this? Because I think it's very much a toss-up. Actually, let me start. Who do you think is going to be Joker? I think we're on the same page for this.
1: I am thinking that it's going to be Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot of WWE. As far back as August, I think it was, uh, there were reports about her going to AEW. Um, The talent that was spoken to have been glowing about her work, her attitude. So it would make sense for her to debut in this particular match, and if it were me, I would have her go the entire way and win the match because it's not like we've had the Joker entrant win the Casino Battle Royale in quite some time. Um, you know, it did start with um, I believe Hangman Page at the first Double or Nothing. You know, he was the Joker in that match and ended up winning the entire thing. So it's so there is a precedent there. So if there is a precedent of the Joker going the entire way and winning the match, I'd like it to be Ruby uh, this year.
0: I would love it to be Ruby. That's also who I think is going to be the Joker. Um, I just I'm excited for Ruby to get a shot. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And when it comes to you know who could face Britt Baker, she's a good option for a TV match. Though I think she could also be a pay-per-view match. I don't want to. Uh, come off badly here. I will start off. I definitely am ruling out Thunder Rosa. Uh, that that is clearly the match uh, for this title reign for Britt Baker, and they're clearly trying to hold it off as much as they can. Um, the only person that I think could win, other than um, not Riho Ruby, is Hikaru Shida. I could see or Emi Sakura. I'll mm. say two, because I could see them considering giving Emmy Sakura a title match on TV against Britt Baker. I think that would be a very good choice. Or you do the rematch, of course, with Taikawa Shida versus Britt Baker. Because either way, I think those are two mm. really good defenses for Britt. Um, they'll bo- both of them will make her look great because, mm-hmm. you know, they're world class. Emmy is a living legend. We... D- We've had Robbie say that enough. We don't have to have him say it
1: again. <laughs> you don't need me gushing about it anymore. <laughs>
0: um, so, to me, it's really down to those three. And for us to, you know, be a little different and go a different way, I'm going to say Emmy Sakura wins this
1: mm. match. All right. All right. I, I respect that very much so for obvious reasons. And if she does end up winning, if it's not Ruby, I, I'd be fine with Emmy winning.
0: Yeah, I can't see you being upset.
1: No, no, I, I'm I i do not get tilted easily.
0: And uh, I I do I love these battle royals. I know some people like to complain about them, but mm-hmm. if if done right, which I mm-hmm. think this one will be, because there's a lot of star power here, I think it could be really good. And there's a lot of people getting big shots.
1: I mean, they're, they're they're always fun battle royals. Well, not always fun, but when they're done well, they're they're a good time. They're they're not technical masterpieces, nor are they designed to be. It's just a match type that's designed to fit multiple people in one situation where it's basically a battle of attrition. It doesn't have to be anything more than that, and if it's done well, it's it's good TV.
0: Agreed. Um, they can also kick off the show with this. I don't think that would be a bad mm-hmm. choice either. Uh, so the next match on our preview is John Moxley, a, the former AEW world champion, for those who don't. Remember for some reason Uh, Faces off with New Japan Pro Wrestling legend And former Triple Crown champion And former IWGP heavyweight champion Satoshi Kojima How do you feel about This one Robbie I think This is a very special attraction For those in Chicago
1: I would say you're right. I've personally been enjoying seeing John Moxley call out the various legends of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, which started with him uh, targeting Yuji Nagata this past spring. I know he called out um, Hiroshi Tanahashi during the IWGP US heavyweight title reign. And I'm, I have to imagine we'll eventually get that match down the road. But now we have Satoshi Kojima. And I think that if you are looking at you know, matches that could steal the show, this could be it. And I understand that Kojima is older. I believe he's gonna be fifty one later this month. But you look at him, you look at the way he wrestles, and it's clear he's kept in shape. He keeps a good pace in the ring, and he's very charismatic. It's very easy to get behind somebody like him. Um my thing is wondering whether he whether how well he's going to pair off with somebody like Moxley who's Grittier, who's more aggressive, especially in this sort of conquest he's been on to take on these different NJPW legends.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so interesting to me because you know. All right, my bad. Uh, you know, we can't go on without technical difficulties, of course. Uh, it's it's interesting to me though because I, for one. You know, not thinking of the G1 and whatnot. Um, it felt like Tanahashi was clearly the match. And as we know now, it didn't happen because the G1 starts in less than two weeks from All Out. Uh, and in Japan, you still have to do the 14 days of sitting at home before, you know, wrestling. So that's an interesting thing. And I, I think people need to realize Kojima is not a bad second person to fill in uh like you said he is a former champion he stayed in great shape um and it's gonna be interesting how they mesh because again i'm gonna take from the moxley yuji nagata match and i thought they gelled pretty well all things considered um because they had one tag match on new japan strong but otherwise that was they had the singles match and that was it. And I'm certain that these two can put together a great match because we're we're talking about two great professionals here. We're talking about John Moxley who seemingly has good matches with everyone if not great. And you have Kojima again. I can't say, I can't praise him enough. He is a legend of the business. People I feel almost disrespected him in a sense when he was announced for the match. Um, My only complaint is I wish they made their fans know more about Kojima. I think that would have been smart if they played more of a video package than just this week. But I think you and me are on the same page. This has a chance to be very good, perhaps possibly steal the show.
1: I believe that it will. Or if it doesn't, it's going to come very damn close. Which says a lot considering the caliber of different matches on this card. And it, it adds a different flavor to the rest of the show. It's very much going to be wrestled in that New Japan style. Those who watch New Japan on the regular will probably know what I'm talking about. So it adds a different element to an event that would not have had it otherwise.
0: Uh so who are you picking to win? I assume it's Moxley.
1: It's Moxley. Yeah,
0: okay. All right. So, yeah, John Moxley's definitely going to win this one, but it's good. I think it's a good start in his quest to wrestle a bunch of New Japan talents. And with uh, the likes of Minoru Suzuki coming over, that could be coming up soon. I know they've already wrestled before, but who would say no to them wrestling twice? Am I right?
1: Nah, I think uh, if there's any match you're going to want to revisit, that, you can definitely pick worse ones.
0: Yeah, like uh Paul Wei versus QT Marshall the second. All right, moving uh, don't, on. Don't
1: don't don't waste that on me, you son of a bitch. Come uh, on. <laughs> Let's move on.
0: <laughs> so we are halfway through the card. Let's get to yeah. the AEW TNT Championship. Ew, I did it. Why is it write it like that? It's not just a TNT championship match. I I'm sorry I said AEW. I was reading <laughs> Uh the Redeemer, the champion, Miro, defense against the Everyman eddie kingston this is an interesting one uh, i don't, i don't know if it's gonna it's definitely not gonna be like this you know technical classic this is gonna be a fight and i think that's exactly what this needs to be
1: yes absolutely and i have to give miro credit for uh making this match i understand that he's uh he's been busy at home with his double-jointed wife so i'm glad that he put his fighting boots on hey for his- hey <laughs> Hey, he said it, not me. He's describing Lana in his promos. There were certain um, terms that he used when he called her double jointed. That's the one that got me the most.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's been on something with these promos. They've been great though.
1: It's it's wild, but to I guess shift gears into something a little more serious. um, As I am very excited for this match. Purely based on the fact that we're looking at two styles that are similar in some ways, different in others. Miro is very much a dominant powerhouse champion. He's bulldozed pretty much over everybody since becoming TNT champion. He's been very dominant over everybody from Fuego Del Sol to Lance Archer. And I don't know when he's going to drop the TNT title. But I think whoever does it is going to benefit tremendously. Meanwhile, you have someone like Eddie Kingston, who's a scrapper. You know, he's he's a tough, hard-nosed veteran of the wrestling scene. And even if he can't match Miro power for power, which I don't think he's going to, he's going to be the one who keeps coming back. So, very interesting combination of styles.
0: Yeah. I like the point you make about whoever does beat Miro gets a ton of, uh, gets a a big rub. And I think that's why I think Eddie Kingston does not win this match. I think Miro continues on in his quest as the redeemer. That being said, I'm still very intrigued by how these two could go. Uh, I think, people don't necessarily have high expectations in terms of match quality, but if these two fight the way that I think they will, it could be a really fun overall match. And I think Miro losing it to someone like Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, that would make a lot of sense uh, down the line, but I am definitely picking Miro
1: yeah i guess you and i both are on the same boat here i see miro retaining here as far as who he drops it to in the future like you said jungle Boy is a very good possibility and if that does happen you know that's the right move to make but is gonna stay champion heading out of all out
0: sounds good sounds good uh speaking of people that i think will be walking out and still uh we have the aw women's world championship on the line as it is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, yes, I did the hand thing, uh, First is Chris Statlander, the undefeated Chris Statlander. She has not lost since returning from injury. For me, I'll start off, is mm-hmm. I think Statlander is the perfect person to give Britt a solid match, but also a solid defense if that makes sense. Uh I to me to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. Um I think Chris Statlander can be will be a women's champion in this company down the line. I just think it's still a little too early. I think she's still figuring out a few things. But I think she'll work very well with Britt Baker. Um and I'm not one to say Britt Baker's a very good in-ring technician by any means, but I could see them mix it up pretty well.
1: No, I agree. I think this could be a very solid match, and I probably like seeing Chris Statlander in a pay-per-view title match. The last one that she had was against Nyla Rose at Revolution, and that was back in February of 2020. So I'd like to think that Statlander is due for another one. It also, I think it's also worth noting that much like myself, she's also from West Islip, New York. So there is that bit of bias coming from me. So you have to take what I say when it comes to Chris Statler, and Statler with a grain of salt. So please keep that in mind. Um, as far as Britt Baker is concerned, and I know that you said before that she's not, you know, she's not a mat technician. But at the same time, I think when you have someone like her who understands her character well, who excels in it, you you only have to be okay. To be successful in wrestling, if you have that solid of a grasp on your character, which I think she does.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I this is like to me the mm, second easiest title match to predict. I, I don't know. I I don't think mm. this show is about as many title switches as it is spectacles in a sense. And this should be good, like we we talked about. Uh, but. How about we move on, because we're both, of course, picking Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to let you take the one here. Oh, what do we want to do next? Because, the, to me, the, we're in a rear situation where I think all three of these matches could legitimately main event, which is interesting. Uh, you know what? Let's Let's shake it up. Mm. Let's talk the AEW World Championship. Let's talk Kenny Omega- versus Christian Cage, a match that we saw a couple weeks ago on Rampage. Christian walked out of that as the Impact World Champion. So, Robbie, let me ask you, how are you feeling about this rematch of sorts going into it?
1: Well, when it comes to rematches that we've seen rather recently that are being put on pay-per-view, this is one I don't mind just because of how well they've been able to build this particular story. Christian Cage winning the Impact world title on the first Rampage was a very bold move, but a good one, because it does a couple of things right off the bat. First off, it establishes Christian Cage as a viable world title contender, as well as champion, because he managed to pin Kenny Omega in a singles match. There aren't very many people that can make that claim. What it also does is that it makes AEW Rampage the show to watch. A major title change took place. So you now condition the fans to let them know that you don't want to miss Rampage. Something big might come up, and this was something that they followed up with, with CM Punk making his first appearance on a major wrestling show in over seven years. So this was a very good move to have Christian Cage go over Kenny Omega on Rampage. And just from that point on, we've been seeing Cage interact with the elite more and more, whether it was, you know, standing up to Omega, helping, you know, folks like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against them, calling Don Callis a carny piece of shit. Just all these different things worked in Christian Cage's favor to make him that much more of a a star. He's undefeated in singles competition, which makes you know, it gives you that sense of doubt. You might be certain that somebody like Kenny Omega is going to come out of this match, the still the AEW World Champion, but you still have that that sliver of doubt, and that's really all you need in order to be invested in a match like this.
0: The, I think the sourness going into this one for people with Christian main event thing is because a lot of people wanted to see. Hangman page you know have His moment but I Think all things considered The punk Aspect Saving that is Actually the best and Christian cage You know he might not be Seen as this huge Star for some people But he is a great Professional wrestler and For some for a lot of people if you give a great match in if you give a great match on the pay-per-view whether it be the main event or not that's all that matters for a lot of people and i think that's what christian cage will and can deliver because we've already seen them have a great match and i think that was just a appetizer to what they can do here you know you give them 20 plus minutes to tell a story in the squared circle you have Kenny Omega you know kick it into the second gear that he can do and you have something special on uh the hands of the fans and AEW uh i my only thing is that if they have this main event i feel you have to end the show with a surprise i don't i don't know if that's mm-hmm. how you feel but if you are going to have this match main event over The next two matches that we talk about. You have to have some sort of angle. Whether it be the return of Hangman Page or the debut of Brian Danielson or just something completely out of nowhere that we don't even expect. I think that's something you need to do to make this uh, worth it if it's in the main event. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if that's me overprojecting here, but I think that's necessary if that's what you go with.
1: No, I, I would agree. I think that you know, as much as good of match as I'm sure that this is going to be, I don't think that the crowd in Chicago is going to be as jazzed about an Omega Cage rematch as they will be for uh, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. I think that if this is the match that's gonna be an event and I don't know whether it is, you're going to want to end with a big surprise like you said. You know, if this is just gonna be Omega retaining the title and that's that, you know, make it like the third to final or the second to final match and just go from there.
0: Yeah, you just wanna you just wanna protect yourself. You don't want and I think is smart enough that unless they have something big planned for that uh, after seen this this is the right move to have them go um second or third from last uh that being said who are you picking to win the aw world championship match on sunday night
1: i am going with the champion retaining kenny omega
0: we are in agreement if anyone besides hangman page beats kenny for that title then something went terribly wrong Uh, i i would just be absolutely stunned
1: yeah sam you've built this hangman story up for god knows how long it would be a misstep for it to end any other way
0: yeah all right so we have two matches that in my heart of hearts i think are in contention the main event because of the potential results and the potential quality and the fact that we're in Chicago has a lot to do with one of them. So let's do the tag team title match first. So the AW world tag team championships are on the line inside of a steel cage as the young bucks, a team that many call the best in the world. Some call the best of all time. We'll face off with the team that I have as at least the best mens tag team in the world in the lucha brothers pentel Miedo, and ray phoenix this is to if cm punk wasn't making his first wasn't having his first match um in seven and a half years this easily for me would be my high, most highly anticipated match i don't know about you but this is a rematch from 2 years ago where they had a ladder match I Mm -hmm. think they have a chance to, one, not only have a better match than that, but to absolutely steal the show and steal um, the attention of the Chicago crowd from a return of CM Punk, which is a a lot to say. Uh, Don't get me wrong. CM Punk's going to get the loudest cheers by a mile and a half, but this match has a chance to steal the show over anything else, in my opinion.
1: Oh, absolutely. When it comes to tag teams that I don't mind seeing wrestle numerous times, Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers are very high on that list. You know, we've seen them wrestle at All Out in 2019. We've seen them wrestle at the first Double or Nothing. And both of those were for the Triple Eight tag team titles. And both of those matches were very solid. And you know, you know, as time went on, they would have other tag team contests, but with multiple people involved. I very much wanted to see these two just have a have a two on two tag team match, and I'm glad that we're getting it here.
0: Let me ask, which one jumps off the cage, Ray Phoenix or Nick Mm. Jackson?
1: Mm. That's a good one, man. I would say. I don't know, I I feel like if I just pick one, it'd be Phoenix, right? I feel like he'd probably be the the one that would be a little more apt to do such a thing and be able to take that more death-defying risk. And I understand that they made the steel cage, the stipulation to keep out the elite, but you know for a fact that they're going to try to interfere. You know that they're at least going to try to make an attempt. You know, if you don't think for a second that... You know the young bucks their boys are going to try to interfere in this match in some form or fashion then i got some waterfront property in north dakota <laughs> to sell you yes Scott, scotty you want to buy some want to buy some waterfront property in north dakota you, you want to buy some
0: couldn't ask to do something less if i tried
1: well fuck off man i'm trying to give you a deal <laughs> on some waterfront property and you're telling me no
0: no I'm, i i think i'm good
1: uh, Jeez, man, I try I to try, I try give you a deal Everyone else is like, oh, I want you out for a property And I'm like, no, I gotta touch base with Scotty But no, <laughs> but no, he's telling me to go fuck myself Okay
0: <laughs> uh, You said it, I did it. Anyways uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what's interesting about this Is that I listened to a podcast That Dave Meltzer was on mm-hmm. And he was very adamant that he is scared Of what Nick or Phoenix are going to do because if you remember the last time I uh, second to last time maybe either way the first steel cage in AEW history was when Cody jumped off on Wardlow, and it was it's so high like this is a taller steel cage than the WWE one for example and I like to compare I like to call this cage compared to WWE's as a mix of hell in a cell. And a steel cage because the bit bigger, uh, it doesn't connect to the, you know, uh, apron per se. It kind of, you can fall between, as we saw, you know, in uh, Blood and Guts, for example. Uh, I believe it was Ortiz that fall, fell through and onto the ground. So there's some room there. And it's just, it's terrifying. But like for our entertainment, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. But the things Ray Phoenix does, man, like he is going to try something that is going to be so dangerous that's going to have me cringing. But these two teams, for my money, can put on the best tag team match of the year, and I would not be even slightly shocked. Um, and I think the Young Bucks have actually been better in the heel role than they were in the babyface role so that's why i'm interested in that little change up as well but let me ask you who walks away the AEW world tag team champions
1: mm-hmm. see this is where i feel like you and i are actually going to deviate a little bit i don't know what your prediction is but i see the young bucks coming away with the title still intact as much as I oh. yeah, yeah here, see what I deal with people? You know, he's so abusive. <laughs> so abusive.
0: Uh, guys, just go and listen to the double or nothing preview and review. <laughs> and then and then, then come back to me about that comment.
1: I'm I'm a sweetheart What are you talking about? I've I've never once cursed, I have never yelled at you, I've been nothing but a gentleman, and you are booing me like I'm like 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 I'm like your Baron Th- Corbin. Yeah, like I'm Baron Cor, happy Corbin these days. But you know, this, oh, this, this 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 is the kind of treatment I deal with people, so you know, go go back. I'm a I'm a, I'm a gentleman. But anyway, back to what I was saying. I think the one books are going I like the Lucha Bros, Penta and Ray, good dudes, talented dudes. But if I were to take a guess, I see them holding the titles up until the Arthur Ashe show where they drop them to Santana and Ortiz, give them that big kind of hometown, home state feel-good moment, or hold on to them for a little bit longer, and drop them to Lucha Boy, uh, not Lucha Boy, Jungle Boy, and Lucha Soros. Lucha Boy! Yeah, Lucha Boy, right? Um, <laughs> dude, dude it's, it's, it's like 100 degrees in this fucking room. I want,
0: You know, <laughs> I wonder if, has anyone ever went by Lucha Boy? That's actually not that bad of a name.
1: Yeah, maybe you can Google it while I'm having my next rant. <laughs> Maybe Robbie can be Lucha Boy. Yeah, we'll be Lucha Boy. Um, I I see, yeah, it's either Santana and Ortiz or Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, just because of how much they've been focusing on Jurassic Express as of late. And if Jungle Boy is going to be one of the future stars of AEW, which um, which I believe he's going to be, as well as many others think he's going to be, I think a tag team title run is in the books.
0: Well, you couldn't be more wrong. Robbie because it is time for the Lucha bros, AKA death triangle to get the damn gold. I can't stress enough how much these two, especially right now deserve some gold around their waist. They, they are undefeated. They're going into a steel cage. The steel cage is supposed to hold everyone back on dynamite. May I add Matt Jackson pinned Phoenix in the middle of the ring. And if we're going back to old school wrestling here, that is a sign that we are going to get some new tag team champions. That being said, if your Santana Ortiz thing became a reality, I wouldn't be that shocked, but I feel like in my heart of hearts, this is time for the lucha bros to become the tag team champions of the world.
1: Well, regardless of who wins, one of us is going to come back for the review show wearing egg on their face. And I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to wear an omelet mask. I'm hoping that you, Don, said omelet mask. And you can look silly in front of your, your loyal listeners who now realize that I am the innocent party who's being verbally abused by my, by my young co-host over here.
0: You're going to look like undashing Cody Rhodes come Monday. All right. You're welcome for that. And the final (laughs) match to preview uh, is, of course, the one that I'm personally most excited for. Um, You probably are, too. The world probably is. Um, It literally did not matter who is across the ring, but it helps that it's someone very good. As to me, the true main event of this show CM Punk returns to a professional wrestling ring to wrestle for the first time in seven and a half years since the Royal Rumble match where he started at number one and was eliminated by Kane, who was eliminated from the match already. And I will never get over that. Uh, And he will be facing Darby Allen. This isn't this is a big match. This is the biggest match of Darby Allen's career. This is one of the biggest matches of CM Punk's career for various different reasons, Uh, but in the end, we are going to see CM Punk wrestle again, and as someone that is such a big fan of his, personally, I am just going to cherish the moment more than anything.
1: Yes, you and I both, and I guess to give a little bit of history, there was a period of quite a few years where I just fell out of professional wrestling did not follow it didn't watch matches didn't read articles it was very much persona non grata in my personal life I think just a lot of things that were happening in WWE whether it was the 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 Chris Benoit tragedy or you know just just WWE itself becoming more sterile feeling I just I started to come to grips with the idea that it just was not for me. And I didn't really follow independent wrestling very much at all. So, you know, my view of wrestling was very insular, for lack of better terms. CM Punk was one of those uh, catalysts that brought me back in. And I think that it was the Bret Hart um, return where he embraced with Shawn Michaels that hooked me initially. But it was the work that CM Punk, that that he was doing at the time, that's what kept me around for the long term. So, you know, I do owe him a lot in that respect. So to see him finally come back to wrestling, actually wrestling a match for the first time since the 2014 Royal Rumble, it's, it's very nice to see. And he's obviously going to be in better shape than he was in that match mainly due to the fact that he doesn't have to deal with the damn staph infection on his back. It'll be nice to see him wrestling healthy. So, very excited. Ah, there's,
0: there's, so much, there's so much we could, you know, break down here besides just sheer excitement. Um, I think for a lot of people, though, CM Punk was someone that helped bring them back to mm. professional wrestling. And <laughs> if it wasn't bringing them back, it was Reminding them what's so great about professional wrestling, uh, and uh, he's had countless moments. He's going to make a lot of more moments now, um, and I don't. I don't want this to only be about Punk, which I mean it is in a sense. But at the same time, he has handpicked the opponent of Darby Allen, and if you're Darby Allen, who I thought caught, caught this great, you know, little uh, promo video the other day where he goes, you know, when I was 15 years old, CM Punk was my favorite wrestler and I feel disrespected that I'm at the front of his list. I should be at the back of it because now I'm going to end it for him. Or die trying And this didn't need To be a feud of personal Gripes or anything You could have easily just made this a match But my goodness this is the beauty of pro wrestling You can make it personal Very quickly And Darby Allen Being able to twist it like that Is great The way they had their stare down on Dynamite Was phenomenal Sting hyping us all up I thought that was so cool Just having Sting there to be like you know what This is really cool I'm just gonna Remove myself pretty much Be a fan Everything about this match feels like It has to main event and I know CM Punk probably If he has any say will not let it Main event because He is a wrestling And he's an old school wrestling fan um, And he's always said you know The world title main events But to me this has to be The main event the story's there the intrigue is there and come on, we're in frickin' Chicago. It has to happen. It's there's no there's no place that it's more acceptable to have CM Punk main event in a non-title match than Chicago, Illinois.
1: No, and I agree, this should be the main event of the show. The 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 Chicago crowd is not going to accept anything other than this match, main eventing, I think. Once you have CM Punk and Darby Allen have their match, I think that card's going to be spent. I don't think anything you do after that's going to matter as much, so it probably makes the most sense to put this at the end of the show. My two questions going to this match are this. What kind of in-ring shapes is Punk going to be in? And how well are Punk's wrestling style and Darby Allen's wrestling style going to gel? I understand that Punk has been in very good shape because of you know, just the way he is and just the way he's kept himself and his his MMA appearances, which you know, less said about those, the better, the better. But the truth of, of the matter is that, like we said before with the Paul White match, there's a big difference between being in shape and being in ring shape. So that's going to be very interesting when it comes to the styles of Punk and Alan, Very different. Alan's daredevil approach, you know, he's very much the kind of person that would throw his body into anything to win, very willing to take things to the extreme if it means that he comes out victorious. Punk, on the other hand, especially later on in his career, he his style is a lot more methodical, it's very deliberate, there are explosive moments in his matches, but... When you see Punk wrestle, you can see the way they do wears down his opponents. So, I'm very interested to see how they gel as wrestlers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I w- I'm wondering how much, or if at all, Punk changes his style. Uh, he's He never was a guy that was, you know, he was never a high flyer, per se. He'd do a suicide dive. He does the elbow drop from the top. But other than that... Uh, oh, and the springboard clothesline. He also does that. But, you know, other than that, I don't see him being affected in the ring at all when it comes to his style. Um, and like you said, mixing it up with Darby Allen, here's my best example of why I think Darby versus Punk will work match-wise. Um, yeah, Let's go back to, I believe it was Fighter Fest. The first ever Fighter Fest, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. I thought that was a really good match. Um, and you know, Cody's style is I don't really know how to describe Cody's style. It's very uh it's old school in a sense, but it's it's not something that's gonna wow you necessarily. But Darby Allen made that work. And I think CM Punk, who is a better in ring professional wrestler than Cody Rhodes, Can make it work with Darby Allen. He's watched, he's clearly watched Darby Allen matches. He clearly understands what he brings to the table. And they've probably, you know, talked some things through. I don't think they've necessarily, you know, rehearsed them because that's not the way Punk goes. Like Punk's very adamant. He wants to do this the professional wrestling way. Everything's going to be natural. So, I'm just excited to see how it goes Uh, I don't have any I don't have any expectations other than This is going to be Nearly as incredible As that first night because Him you know yelling It's clobbering time for the first time I think that's been such a cool thing like He'll say to the camera not time yet like Kind of build that up Everything about this it's about the Spectacle of it all and if we get a great Match too that's awesome But to me it's it's almost like, you know, y- you watched it. Like, you know when Rock and Hogan wrestled?
1: Uh, yes, I do. It's uh, one of those matches that I remember as a somewhat younger fan and something that sticks with me.
0: Right. It And that, you know, the actual match itself wasn't like this all-time classic.
1: Correct? Uh, yes. Absolutely. But, it
0: does, but it doesn't matter. That's my whole thing. Like this, this is a type of moment where the match doesn't matter nearly as much as the fact that CM Punk is stepping in the ring for the first time. That being said, I think they deliver. I think they give us a solid, if not great match, and it's going to be a special night in Chicago with CM Punk walking out on top. No other result makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I think that's the only way it's going to go. You see CM Punk win his first match back in over seven and a half years after the match is done. Punk and Alan shake hands. And you can either leave things on a positive note, you know, let the crowd go home happy, or you can have someone make their return or make their debut rather it could be a Brian Danielson. It could be an Adam Cole, baby. Considering what we've nice. learned, yeah, right. <laughs> yep, baby, in there. You got to. Yeah. it. Yeah, what can I do? But yeah, we've been hearing a lot about Adam Cole and his contract situation with uh, WWE, and that that can of worms. So it's very possible we can see Adam Cole make his way to AEW sooner rather than later. Regardless of what happens, I. Don't see this main event leaving very many people unhappy.
0: We are in such agreement. Uh, all right, final little take. Mm-hmm. Do you firmly believe we get either Brian Danielson or Adam Cole on Sunday night?
1: If it was between the two, I think we're more likely to get Danielson just because it's been reported by a bunch of different places at this point, it would seem like AEW is stoking the flames. Specifically CM Punk, if you remember that particular in-ring promo that he did, where the crowd was doing the yes chant, and Punk has to address him and go, that's someone else's shtick, but just be a little bit patient, okay? I mean, if that's not a giveaway right then and there, I don't know what it is. so I would say Danielson.
0: And what is your confidence level that he does show up on a, mm-hmm. out of ten?
1: I would say I would say anywhere from an eight to a nine. And I guess this goes oh, back to to, okay. to, to to that shred of doubt. I mean I'm 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 almost certain he's gonna show up, but there's also that Bit of doubt that lingers in the air which makes these sorts of reports and potential debuts all the more interesting
0: yeah i'm at about six or seven i don't i i don't they're in such an interesting spot here because the the fact that they could follow up a cm punk debut which is to me it was the biggest possible debut any promotion could get or return i should say Um, Mm -hmm. it's the biggest possible moment any company can get here in 2021 but daniel bryan who main evented sorry brian danielson who main evented wrestlemania this year jumping over to AEW just four months later that that is enough to uh get you a little excited as well
1: yeah, it's given me very, like, early TNA wrestling vibes. When you remember back in those days, where you had all these different wrestlers from other companies, or even people that have been out of wrestling for a while, come in. You had your your guys like Sting, Christian Cage, Kurt Angle, you know Booker T. You had all these different people come in, and it almost, you know, I don't want to say almost, it did lend a lot more credibility to that company. And I feel the same way when it comes to AEW. only difference is I'm a lot more confident in the management style of AEW than I ever was in TNA back in the day. So there there's a lot to be excited about and for good reasons.
0: Yes, there is. So this was the all-out preview event of the uh, year. And, uh, Robbie, thank you for joining <laughs> me as you have in the past. Um, Of course, you will be back with me on Monday. And guess what? We Hmm. got a little surprise that I didn't tell you about yet, which I will tell you about as soon as the show ends.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy, this guy. No, it's a good
0: surprise. It's a good surprise. Okay, okay, uh, fine. uh, (laughs) But we will be back to review it. Uh, We will record that Hmm. on Monday. And, of course, I will get it out as soon as possible. So, Robbie, any final thoughts before I shut this down?
1: Well, as far as final thoughts are concerned, and while we were doing the um, the podcast here, I actually was a bit of a smartass. I looked up Lucha Boy on Google, <laughs> and, and, and I came across a couple of different results, but the closest one I could find was a short film that was made in the Netherlands, and it's called De Lucha Boys, and it was uh, released in 2010. And the wow. movie and, and the movie the movie summary is as follows At only eight years old, Max and Olaf are pulling off all kinds of crazy stunts. Even though they do not speak the same language, they fully rely on each other for the execution of their risky plans. Unfortunately, the sky's the limit as they find out in their last daring game. Twenty years later, Max and Olaf still have not fully recovered from this last failure. The only solution seems to be to repeat the stunt bigger better bolder now um i i've seen th- this this particular short film has an imdb rating of 8.4 out of 10 stars wow so i guess take that for what you will who knows may- maybe one day we can do a, a watch along of this if i can ever find this this godforsaken film i don't no, if it's readily available, it's made in the Netherlands. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but hey, I was able to find something. You know, this little mystery can be somewhat put to rest.
0: De Lucha Boys, and with that, <laughs> this was you love me.
1: The, you love me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a preview for Wrestling with Edwards.
1: Bye, everybody. Thank you, Scott. The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you wanna be. Oh, I'm the cult of personality. Like Mussolini and Kennedy. I'm the cult of personality. The cult of and now.